Welcome back to the show, everybody. So today we're going to be talking about stress hormones. Are you possibly addicted to them? What does that look like? What does it take to pull your body out of that? The HPA axis we talk about, but what about the HPTPAG axis? There's so much more to it. And then also hidden signs that you might be healing that nobody talks about. So hang tight and we'll be right back. Okay, so let's start the conversation out with some hidden signs that you might be healing. And this may be, you know, on a healing journey, that a natural medicine journey, or maybe just healing in general, emotionally healing, healing from trauma, all of those things. It's all really important to note that they're very similar in nature. Um, When the body is making new connections and you're having new experiences, new mediums, new things like supplementation, all of these things, it does take some adaptation especially when you're um, freeing up energy, right? So the whole thing to healing is that you are freeing up vital life energy to repair and restore. And sometimes that looks, could be looking uh, negatively for some people to start and they may be turned off by that and back away, but it actually could be a sign that you're healing. So let's kind of delve into that a little bit. So this is one that's really important, um, especially when it comes to hormonal healing, um, working on the HPA axis and things like that, trying to regulate your body's stress hormones, your circadian rhythm, things like that. Um, When you start to wake up hungry, um, a lot of times when you are in that constant state of fight or flight, constant state of stress, survival mechanisms, all those fun things, you are really going to lose your appetite. And so I will say a lot of times this is where people start to back off, especially if they are self-healing and that sort of thing, Um, because we're so conditioned to think, oh gosh, I'm, I'm going to gain so much weight. I'm eating so much more food. I'm so hungry to start the day. And then the hunger just rolls on, which is honestly normal, especially if you're healing, it's an anabolic state. Your body is definitely going to need more nutrients to heal and repair. Right. Um, So not exactly correlated with a ton of weight gain. It's a good sign that your body is actually hungry. Um, So definitely don't back away when you're noticing that and definitely honor that response because that is such a tremendous sign that you're shutting off survival mechanisms. Now, another one that is a little challenging, especially because if people are coming for, um, you know, chronic fatigue issues or energy issues, adrenal issues, things like that, sometimes when your body shifts into a parasympathetic state, sometimes it does slow down even more to start. And that's a totally natural response. Um, it is not advisable to, you know, jack your body up full of energy um, when you're healing. It is truly a time and a calling to rest and repair. And so the body will naturally become more tired when you start to give the body what it needs and start allowing it to be in that parasympathetic state. Um, another thing that's really interesting is that sometimes people feel more sensitive at first to their environment. And and a lot of this comes from finally noticing how things like lighting and sounds and overstimulatory things like devices and screens and foods and all of those things. When you are really inflamed and really sick and really not able to notice the environment, you really do get tunnel vision for very specific things. We'll talk about that with the whole stress response thing later. Um, it's really hard to zoom out and look at the environment and even think about how those things could possibly be affecting you. So when you start to become aware and you start to, you know, notice like, oh, I actually don't like this. I don't like going to the movies. It's very overstimulating, you know, certain things like that. It helps you because then you can kind of draw the line and draw those boundaries for, you know, how you want to move into this new stage, right? This new stage of healing. How can you protect and preserve that? And that's really what's happening. It is self-preservation. Your body's finally feeling safe and it certainly doesn't want to go into a hyper stressful, overstimulatory state. This is one I see all the time. Um, then I actually experienced it myself too and I didn't understand it at the time, but I get it now and it's actually a really good sign um, when I see clients start to become more emotional in the beginning. And that tells me that you're actually getting in those organ systems and releasing stored and trapped emotions and toxins and all of those things. You're opening up your drainage pathways. You're moving out unprocessed things through the fascia and the connective tissue. And like, once again, your body's feeling safe enough to release 
those things. And it does take some processing time. And so if you think about traditional Chinese medicine, think about certain emotions are tied to certain organs. I often see a flare uh, where people are like, all of a sudden, I'm really angry. I don't really know what's happening. Why am I getting so angry? And to me, that's a sign that they're getting into their liver. Um, so we do extra liver love, right? More castor oil packs, coffee enemas, whatever it takes to really support the liver because your body's telling you something. It's always pointing to the problem. So um, the other few organ systems that are really you know, important to think about as you go through your journey is sadness is tied to what's happening in the lungs. The lungs are a drainage pathway too. That's why things like breath work and actually taking the time to breathe throughout the day is so, so very important. Um, fear is connected to the kidneys. So I often see this correlated with mycotoxin um, issues. There's always kidney things that are related to that, but there's also such a fear of mold and mycotoxins. So there is such a, you know, connection there to the fear of mold um, and what is, you know, a toxin that is nephrotoxic actually going to the kidneys and in the fear of it in general that all just kind of the perfect storm for some dysfunction there so you definitely want to support your other drainage pathways you want to make sure that you're balancing your ph through diet through things like breathwork grounding and then also making sure you're supporting um you know skin lymph all of the other pathways to help the, the kidneys when you see um an increase in things like fear and that sort of thing um, anxiety is tied to the heart and the lungs and also um, worry is tied to the spleen so just really kind of interesting if you're starting to notice um, pain in certain areas or you're noticing certain um, emotions come up what organ system could you you know be supporting a little bit better on this journey so we talked about environment but you begin to notice how you feel around certain people. And this is one of those things too, is out of self-preservation, you start to notice how other relationships and who people who you might've thought were your support system, you know, if they're not supporting the changes that you're trying to make um, and this new version of yourself that you're so excited to create and someone doesn't like that and they're trying to hold on to this old version of you, you start to notice those things or you start to notice your nervous system around other people or your heart rate or your breathing or, you know, just in general, how do you feel around them? You begin to be way more aware of those things. And it also is so helpful because you're going to start to set more boundaries and you're going to start to say like, all right, I'd never really noticed this person made me feel that way, but now I do, and I'm going to protect myself. And like I said, once you start to see those glimmers of hope and healing, you do everything you can to preserve the state of health that you're getting into. Another calling of self-preservation is sometimes you go into what's called like the cocoon stage where you really just want to be alone. You, um, are you're finally getting to a place where your nervous system is regulated, um, or, you know, and I even find sometimes when people start to have an, an awareness of things like the food industry and other industries and how they're affecting our health and things like that, sometimes people do get really overwhelmed and honestly really sad about it. But it's not, um, you know, it's just kind of like a process. You kind of have to feel that emotion. And, and I think sometimes there's a lot of regret tied to it. Um, like, why didn't I know this sooner? Why wasn't I told these things? Or gosh, and, and it even can get into a fearful situation where, oh my gosh, there's there's toxins everywhere. I'll never be able to, you know, avoid them. And you could spiral, right? And it could be this self-preservation of like, I just want to be home. I know I can regulate everything at home and things like that. And, you know, it is natural to have that little cocoon stage, but it is not sustainable, right? And it's not real life. Um, to avoid everything. But if you are really trying to get into that anabolic state and reset your nervous system, it's important to honor that for a time period so that you can really get there so that when it's time to go out and deal with real world experiences and, and you know, learn how you respond to other people and change that stress response around other people, because sometimes we can't change the stress in our life, but we can change how we respond to it. And sometimes that takes some learning and some growing um, on a personal development level. So sometimes you need that cocoon stage, right? To deal with some of these things, release them, and then carry that on as wisdom to go through the rest of your life. 
All right. The last one is that a lot of times, and this happened to me too, that you will find that you're actually more sensitive to alcohol and inflammatory foods. And while that may seem counterintuitive, it actually means that you've lowered inflammation so much and that chronic inflammatory response so much that when you are introducing toxins back into your body, your body's finally having that acute stress response that it should have, and then it's shutting it back off. And, um, you know, we often make that acute response or what should be an acute response very prolonged and maladaptive. So we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes, but it ends up being chronic. And that's how we get to these stages of depletion and, and everything else. So if we can have that acute response, the body inflames, it does its thing, and then it shuts off, that would be an ideal situation. Um, the body knows what is good for it and what is not. And if you are a clean running machine and you're eating organic and you're doing all the things and you have a glass of alcohol and you finally notice what those effects are, I would say that's probably a good sign, right? Because it's not really meant to be in your body and um, it's letting you know. So uh, that, like I said, alcohol, inflammatory foods, but I will say the uh, bounce back from these are gonna be so much quicker um, now that you've added some resilience into your body and you're, like I said, you're having now a healthy immune response and then it's gone. Um, so you will notice that you will bounce back a lot quicker um, from some of these things and you should know how to support them a little bit better um, by now because we can't avoid everything all the time and that's not the goal. Um, it's important to live your life and, you know, have family time, have vacation time. You will have some meals that are going to be a little bit off. And so it's how does your body uh, bounce back after those meals, but it's important to know that you could be more sensitive to them um, in the long run, and that is actually a good thing. All right, shifting gears, I am so excited to talk about the stress hormone addiction. Um, we're going to try to talk about the HPA and all the other axes after this, but if I go too long, we'll just throw it into the next show. So stay tuned on that one. So let's talk about stress hormone addiction. So let's first break down categories of stress so we can understand where, if we are stuck in survival, if we are stuck in a possible biochemical addiction to stress hormones, where does it start? So it's important to break down where these causes happen. So a lot of times it they are caused by three different categories of things. So you have physical, um, so maybe a sickness, a trauma, something like that. Emotional, so this is really um, relationships, you know, family relationships, your spouse, work, all of those things. Um, those certainly can play a role in stress and survival. And then also chemical. So I focus a lot on chemical because of the functional medicine and all of the toxicities and all of that stuff. But they are also correlated and they're all really important because the thing is, if you take away the chemical stressors, but you still have the physical and the emotional to deal with, you need to still address that, right? So you can't just take one. Um, you have to make sure that you're going across the board, especially if you are stuck or like I said, addicted to stress response. So the body, like we talked about, is equipped for acute stress. It needs time after that to rest and repair. And so we are in such a state where we are chronically, that acute stress it, it ends up being prolonged and chronic because of our environment, our toxicities, our um, relationships, whatever it may be. And so after a while, we need these stressors to feel alive. We need the toxic relationship. We need the bad job. We need the really um, dramatic reality TV, the really dramatic news outlets, uh, social media, something to react to. We start craving these things. And then after time, we realize that we can create that same stress response just by our own thoughts, just by thinking about our toxic relationships or jobs that we hate or um, just even commiserating with other people or calling and telling them about, you know, this horrible relationship or whatever it may be, we can relive that stress response over and over and over just by thinking because we have the same release of stress hormones, the same cascade of events that's going to happen. So we literally could be addicted to our negative thoughts just because of what's happening biochemically which ends up changing the brain's reward system with our dopamine release, our pleasure-seeking hormone, 
when we start to have that chronically happen, eventually what the body needs changes. We are now desensitized to the normal amount of dopamine, the normal amount of stress hormones that should be released. And so we start to crave more and more of it. And then the body realizes that we can make that with our own thoughts and we can create this stress response and predict the worst case scenario. And, you know, like I said, find things to react to and just keep that stress response going because we now we need more and more of it um, to get the same effect. So that is we creates an addiction to the rush of stress hormones. And so we start seeking behavior that keeps this response going. And a lot of times when you are so low on natural dopamine, nothing else is going to compare to some of these um, external hits, right? And so much of our environment is overstimulated, right? Our food is overstimulatory and actually messes with our brain chemistry. Our media, social media even, um, our, our books, our music, our television shows, all of these things, I mean, I can't, I, I've never seen the amount of like true crime. Like literally you could have a murder show about anything anymore. I've never seen the like, it is beyond, but it just goes to show you that there is such an addiction to that. And people are really needing those hits of dopamine. And especially if you are opening up your phone or looking at a screen first thing in the morning or last thing before you go to bed, what it does is it sets you on such an unnatural high dopamine that nothing natural will compare to that. So of course you're going to have depression. Of course you're going to have anxiety and things like that because you're living off of these fake dopamine hits that are completely unsustainable. So, and then think about chronic stress and what it does to the HPA axis. And I hope we can get into the rest of those axes as well, because it's more than just the adrenals. It affects everything from digestion to hormones, to sleep issues, to our immune system. And, and that's how we really get into this state of chronic incoherence or dysfunction, which leads to disease in the body. When the mind and body are disconnected, um, when everything is kind of turn on into survival mode, nothing works together because you really are a deer in headlights. Your body is just primed for survival and nothing more. And so it's not going to say like, Hey, we should probably have a baby right now. Or, you know, Hey, I'm going to make sure that this person's gut is top notch, you know, when we're getting chased by a lion or whatever those analogies are when it comes to survival. So, so many dysfunction happens just from the inability to get out of this fight or flight, but so much of it can be caused internally because of this constant addiction. So, and then you start to see depletion of our calming neurotransmitters like GABA and serotonin, and that's when you start to see insomnia and things like that kind of creep in um, because of all the excess energy it's using on things like cortisol and those stress hormones. And cortisol long-term is extremely catabolic. Um, and so that's why eventually the body will hyper metabolize, try to move out as much cortisol as possible, or even start to deactivate it into cortisone, which is its storage form. Um, and that's when you start to feel very fatigued, low energy, and then low energy, um, equal to low natural dopamine is a really recipe for just complete burnout. So, and then you get into a feedback loop because now you're seeing physical symptoms of stress and then the body is going to react to those physical symptoms as well, right? Because it's now it's going to tag those as threats. And so it's, it's just this feedback loop that's ongoing and that's really how you get stuck in that fight or flight. Um, and it's really important to look at it as maybe my mind and body are addicted to this because we don't know a way out. Um, so we'll talk about ways to get out of that for sure, but it's really important to know that this could be happening biochemically, um, because the body starts to react to the mind and the mind starts to react to the body and, and we just go and go and go into the cycle and then we bring in our thoughts, right? And then the thoughts can create the same response, that survival, stress, fight or flight response it really is important. And if you are not considering how important the nervous system work and this part is on your healing journey, it's definitely time to think about it because everything in our environment is tailored toward these dopamine hits, tailored to keeping you distracted and overstimulated. And if you don't see it, it's really important because it's literally everywhere. Okay, so let's talk about some of the things that happen when we're stuck in this stressful survival mechanism. And like I mentioned before, it's seriously like a deer in headlights. We become very tunnel vision. We begin very hyper-focused on what we can control. 
Um, and then we even catastrophize what we can't control. And we really prepare our body as a, as a self-preservation, we are preparing our body for the worst case scenario. Um, because if it's anything less than that, then we have such a better chance of survival and we naturally do that. And so the people who are laying in bed, recirculating thoughts over and over and over again, you're stuck. Maybe you're addicted, you know, and it's not to say like, oh, gosh, there's something wrong with you. It's saying that is the power of the mind when it comes to the healing journey. And that's also the power of all of our influences that have on your nervous system. You have to consider the nervous system for sure. Um, another thing is, of course, you're going to be incoherent. Like we talked about on a cellular level, your cells cannot function together. Your body systems cannot function together when you are on in this chronically stressed state. Um, you're very catabolic. So tissue breakdown, you're consumed with fear and anger, and those are very low vibration emotions, which cause more dissonance and more um, incoherence. You're, you become very selfish um, when you're in survival, and this is something that I've learned to really um, show a lot of empathy and care for people when they get to be at this point. Um, and it is just, like I said, it's that self-preservation. When you are so overstimulated by everything in your environment, you, nothing extra, you can't deal with anything extra. And so understanding and recognizing in that in someone, especially if you've been through it yourself, is so important. And so it's, we need more of that because, like I said, everything in our environment is so overstimulatory. Um, energy loss, obviously, your body is using so much energy and even like becoming catabolic because it's burned through all your energy reserves. Um, and when that happens, you don't have energy for optimal health. You don't have energy for higher thinking. You don't have energy for, um, like I said, your organ systems to work together because we're starting to, you know, shut some down a little bit. Um, we're trying to over use some the the ones that are really primed for survival. And so we lose our rational thinking. We become to crave what we know. And this is how we get sucked back into that victim mentality because we don't want to think about doing anything different when we're in survival. It is terrifying and we're tagging that as a threat as well, right? And so you notice these things. And if you've been healing or if you know someone in your life who's been healing, it's really important to notice these things and, and care for people when they're going through these things. Uh, a lot of times it looks like uh, control issues. Um, but it is truly self-preservation and, um, and it is really their inability to do new things because they are really trying to make sure that they can stay alive, which is really sad, right? It's really sad, but it's also really powerful for you to know and for you to respect that or, um, embrace that. If that is yourself, give yourself grace and know that it doesn't have to stay like this. It will get so much better. The other thing is, is they can't sit still. So a lot of people, you know, the idea of jumping into things like mindfulness practices or meditations terrifies them because their bodies are primed for survival. And they think if I sit still, I'm going to get attacked and eaten by this lion that's chasing me, right? I mean, I know it sounds irrational, but it is truly a physiological response that's happening. And so those are the people who have to be doing something when they're watching TV. That was me for sure. Um, that are terrified to sit alone with their thoughts. They're always, always listening to something in the car, cannot shut off, you know, no silence, don't know how to deal with it because their body is primed to run. So let's contrast that with what it feels like to be in a state of coherence or homeostasis. And then we'll talk about ways to get there. Um, so when you are into that creative state or that homeostasis state, you can actually think about doing new things and learning new perspectives and learning new ideas and thoughts and, ha you know, habit patterns, all of those things. You can actually embrace the unknown because you know that it could, it's potential, right? And it's not a threat anymore. You're anabolic, so your body's able to rebuild and repair. You have coherence. Your cells and your organs are working together. You are in this state of health and repair and regeneration, you're fueled by, you know, high vibration emotions like love and joy and trust and gratitude is a huge one. You're open-minded so you can see other people's opinions on things and respect them even if you don't agree with them, but you're open-minded. You're not tagging those as threats. Um, you're more allowing for new possibilities and you can create and you can really think about creating the life you love 
and that highest version of yourself. And that's something that just can't happen when you're stuck in survival. Okay, I'm gonna walk you through a day of high stress and high survival and in that chemical stress addiction, just so you all can see and think about like, is this me? Do I do these things? Um, Cause it was for sure me years ago um, until I knew better. But let's talk about a day in the life of being addicted to stress hormones. So you wake up abruptly, often to an alarm. I, I can't believe, like for so many years, I woke up to a very like alert, abrupt alarm. And it really sets your day up, like you are setting your day up for some stress hormones and cortisol right there. Um, I now wake up with a light to to help me wake up. It's so much more natural. You can feel that cortisol turn on, but it is not, uh, where your heart is racing first thing in the morning. Um, so, and then sometimes people love to procrastinate, like they procrastinate just to get that stress response. So like running late or rushing to get out the door, not allowing themselves time to center in the morning. Um, maybe you open your phone and you start scrolling first thing in the day. Remember we talked about that unnatural dopamine high, that's really going to set you up for disappointment the rest of the whole day, or you're turning on the news or, um, looking for things to react to, um, whether that's social media, you know, people like to start fights on social media or, you know, vehemently disagree with people and whatever it is, because just to get a hit of something, right? Gosh, that's what a way to start our day, right? We want those stress hormones rolling. We're going to feel good. Um, and then you start to, like I said, think about, think about what predict what could happen. Then, you know, we know that our thoughts can be just as powerful as an actual stress event, stressful event. So maybe you're starting to think about the work day and already stressing about your to-do list or a conflict you might have with um, a, a, a coworker when you get there or your boss. And so you're having that stress response just on your way to work while you're driving there thinking about it. And then you get, like I said, you're in a rush. You didn't allow yourself time to leave. Maybe you're you know, mad about traffic. Um, get to work, you're commiserating with people, reliving those experiences, those negative experiences all over again. Um, and yet you're still affirming and validating your feelings of stress, which is even better, right? Because now we have this com camaraderie happening. And you've already spent your morning rushing, stressing, thinking, overthinking, predicting, catastrophizing. Um, and then now you're bringing in other people with you and you guys are all feeding off each other's energy. Um, and then you add in some chemical uh, toxicities or stressors, right? So caffeine, what do you think that's going to do to the nervous system when you're already so heightened? Of course, it's going to heighten you even more. Um, so you add that in or maybe even skip breakfast and you get this natural high going on and, uh, and then your blood sugar bottoms out. And then there's another high um, that you're going to get because your cortisol is going to jump through the roof when that happens. Um, and that's, you know, we do that so much, you're going to lose your appetite. Like we talked about, cause stress hormones are going to say, all right, you're not going to manage your blood sugar. So we got you. We'll just take care of it on our own. Um, so now you're on this roller coaster of stress and inflammation because of, um, these hits of caffeine, sugar, or like I said, even just not eating or fueling your body properly. So now it's lunchtime. You're scrolling at your desk, uh, on your phone. You're totally distracted while you eat. You're not present with your food. You're tuning out, trying to disassociate. Um, your breathing becomes more shallow, which heightens your nervous system response even more um, because your, your brain can't get the proper oxygen level. You dread going back to work. You stress about the rest of the day, your to-do list, and you can't wait to get home and just tune out, which really means just taking more things through media and screens and uh, dramatic TV, true crime series, constantly filling your mind to react for things to react to. Right. And so more stress hormones. And then we get to this point where, oh, we need to wind down, you know, wind down, get it, uh, alcohol, more stress on blood sugar and cortisol. And then you have the stress of your led lights or possibly blue lights at night. And then your sleep's affected and you you're eating your biggest meal at, at dinner of the day. And so then your blood sugar is just a train wreck overnight. Um, and then you finally lay in bed and your mind is racing and you're thinking about all the things that went wrong and you're recirculating, reliving, reliving that stress response um, all over again. And then we have crappy sleep and then we wake up and, and dread the day because we know we're doing it all over again. And that is a day in this addiction to stress hormones. We don't even know that we're creating some of these things. We don't even know that we might be picking fights just to have a hit of dopamine or a hit of stress just to feel something 
or that when we think we're tuning out, we're actually just around really dramatic TV or really violent TV or sexual or graphic things and or even on the news that are really programming our subconscious, right? Putting us in that state of fear. Uh, whether we know it or not, it's happening. But as you can see, it takes a lot of energy to keep that stress response going for so long. And so, you know, a lot of us say, oh, we've been living this way for, you know, so long. And yeah, of course, you have a reserve. Everybody's reserve's a little different, but eventually it's going to hit you in some sort of dysfunction or some sort of possible addiction. So we become not only addicted to our thoughts, our stress hormones, but sometimes people do become addicted to alcohol because they don't know how to shut this off or other, you know, other drugs, other things, other things to get that false dopamine hit, like overspending or just buying things because they are an immediate dopamine hit. And we think we're going to feel better. Um, and, and that we're played on by those things, even, you know, with the media, we're played on um, by buying things out of fear, buying things because we think we're going to love ourselves more if we have them or that other people will love us more if we have them. And it's just what is happening to this programming because they have you in such an incoherent state, such a state of trance, such a state of what is affecting your, your neurotransmitters that you are highly suggestible at that point. And like I said, when we have that tunnel vision and we're just taking in everything we see on a screen or device, that is how you're controlled. And so it's really important uh, to see that you have to get out of that state to really be able to zoom out and see the big picture. So let's talk about some things that elicit that stress response in our environment. We mentioned some of them, social media, especially the short videos, which you notice everything like TikTok and Reels and all of those things. They're shorter because they're a quicker dopamine hit and people are going to scroll through a lot more information a lot quicker. And they know that. Um, news, of course, the news, you're going to see the worst case scenario. Of course, you're going to start catastrophizing things after that because that's what it's about. Um, reality shows, violence, sex, even foods, our food additives, MSG, things like that, advertisements. Just think about lighting and music and stores. We talked about that in the very first part of this episode, but um, thinking that there is a plan for all of those things and how they're supposed to affect you. And LED lighting puts you in an extremely incoherent state and it is extremely stressful to the nervous system. Um, so that could be some hit that you're not really thinking about. Um, but these all elicit unnatural dopamine hits, especially, like I said, first thing in the morning, that blue light exposure or um, the last thing at night. It's really going to get you into that state of stress overnight. Another thing that I feel like I need to mention is just information overload. We feel like, oh my gosh, what a, what a time to be alive. We have so much information coming out. Um, but honestly, it gives us a false sense that we need to take more and more information in because what if we miss that one thing that's going to get us to where we need to be in our healing journey? So we just better keep scrolling because it's probably there and we might just miss it. Um, but this leads to completely like endless stress, right? Because it's endless amounts of information you're taking in. And I always say that information is not free if it's costing you your peace. And so, yes, there are some really great points. I mean, I would like to say that I think I make some good points on social media, but I don't want someone to be so overconsumed with what I say that they are, that it's costing them their peace. I want them to just think about things in a different way. And that's my whole goal um, on social media. But there's a lot of people out there who are just trying to sell things and they want you to buy this supplement or this tool or whatever it may be. And so it's really important to be aware of this information, you know, it, it's important to take it, but don't lose your gut feeling. Don't lose your intuition and definitely don't ever buy things out of fear. You definitely want to make sure that you feel empowered going into something because we are so played on, um, by these elements of fear and, oh gosh, if you don't run this, or if you don't take this supplement, you'll be, you know, sick forever. And it's just not true. So speaking of fear and how I don't like to play into fear at all, I like to empower people. I always like to empower you with information walking out of these uh, podcast episodes. So how do we get ourselves out of this? And is it even possible with the way our environment is? And absolutely it's possible. Of course, you have to be more vigilant and you have to be more consistent. But I think if you know that it's a thing and it's possible, then you will be able to make those changes and make those connections a little bit easier because a lot of times people just feel stuck. 
All right. So the first recommendation I make, and I actually, I got off social media for, oh, probably three or four years because it was so needed for my nervous system and just how I felt about myself and so many things, but truly taking a dopamine fast, however long you need to, you know, look at how you are addicted to picking up your cell phone. Notice these things, leave your, your home for a day without your phone and see how addicted you are. You don't really notice it. Um, even setting limits on your screen time. That was something that really made me aware. Um, when you set a limit for, you know, maybe an hour to be on your screen and you're like, it's gone within the first few hours of the day. That's a big deal, right? And we don't realize how much of our time and our um, consciousness is being taken from us. Um, so a dopamine fast. So unnatural forms of dopamine, whether it's television for you or podcasts or media or, you know, social media, whatever it takes and however long you need, right? Because it's different for everybody. Some people can regulate a lot quicker than others. Um, but taking a break from those things, especially the things that don't make you feel good, um, you know, a lot of people follow accounts out of fear, um, and they don't feel good, but they also don't know why they won't stop following them either. So there's so much, so much psychology that's happening here. Um, but especially if, you know, start taking a break from screens first thing when you wake up, definitely have time to center and regulate before, um, jumping on a screen at any point. And especially like last thing in the, the day, it's way better to actually read a paper book or play a game with your family or, you know, take time to yourself or meditate or whatever that is um, at the end of the day rather than um, scrolling on a screen and looking at that LED blue light before you go to sleep. It's going to affect your melatonin every time. Um, consider your media, your influences. Are you setting, like I said, are you setting boundaries and limits with them? Are you f following people that make you feel good or are you following people that, you know, you feel like might have you know, some fear tactic that is, that is selling you something, but you don't want to miss it. Um, do things to get natural dopamine. So breath work, getting oxygen to your brain actually feels really good. But when we're in stress and survival, we're breathing extremely shallow and which causes so much dysfunction. Hello, chronic fatigue, right? A lot of that is just because our cells aren't getting enough oxygen. Our brain's not getting enough oxygen. Um, so take time to, you know, if you're going to use a device, get a breathwork app or work with a breathwork, you know, um, individual on top of that. Like, obviously, you're going to have so much of a deeper connection um, if you work with someone in person, but make it something that you'll stick with because that's such a huge way. Start your day off with that. Um, get sunlight immediately, um, especially if you're dealing with um, cortisol issues or sleep issues, hormone issues. Regulating the HPA axis includes getting outside and getting sunshine without sunglasses on, without sunblock on, getting pure unfiltered sunshine to help with vitamin D levels, which are going to help with inflammation and things like blood sugar. And I can't even tell you how many processes that's going to support. And then also thinking from your eyes perspective of letting your eyes be photoreceptors um, to help with that conversion from serotonin to melatonin, um, to help with your sleep and your hormone regulation. Melatonin is actually a super powerful antioxidant um, that we need for things against halogens and heavy metals and things like that. If we don't have proper levels of that, um, and a lot of that's just lifestyle based. So it's important to make sure you're doing the things that you think don't do anything actually support so many processes in the body. Um, obviously cutting unnatural sources of dopamine like screen time and alcohol and caffeine, those are going to wreck your system every time. So if you're stuck in survival, it's time to start, you know, setting boundaries for yourself and cutting those as needed incorporating things like grounding. What a time we need more than ever to connect with the frequency of the earth, which is going to help us create that coherence on a cellular level. Um, literally putting your feet on the ground. That is it. That's all you have to do. And you're balancing your acid base balance. You are literally discharging acidity from your body into the ground. You're alkalizing your body. You are helping with things like inflammation. You are helping with that cellular coherence, your nervous system, all of those things. Go for it. Go barefoot. Go on a beach walk. Go walk in the forest. Whatever you need to do, um, go barefoot. You can do some limbic retraining. And I am such a huge supporter of programs like DNRS and the Gupta program. 
I'll link those up in my show notes. I think I have a free month for both of those. Um, but anyways, it's really, if you're having trouble to make yourself do a daily practice, this can be extremely helpful. And they do explain so much of the polyvagal theory and how your nervous system is affecting literally all of the coherence in your body and how to get out of that and how to retrain and rewire that response. It's not what I use to start. I've done both of the programs just so I know what they were like for my patients, but, um, I'll tell you what I did to start here last, but Um, doing more of things that bring you joy. So think about it as an energy conservation, right? If you are continuing to people please and you are doing things you do not resonate with, things that do not bring you joy, joy, then you are draining your energy even more. Um, So doing things that you feel good about, things that make you happy, um, while that may come across as selfish, if you don't pour into yourself, you cannot pour into anyone else, especially if you're stuck in survival. Um, so making sure that you are doing things that actually energize you, being around the people that give you life, the people who feel like sunshine, um, doing you know anything, anything that you love that brings you joy, that's going to get you to that parasympathetic state. Do more of that. EDMR, which is a light therapy to do with a practitioner, can be really helpful, especially if you have a lot of PTSD, um, trauma, things like that, working through some of that. That can be really amazing. Setting boundaries. So like I mentioned, people-pleasing is definitely going to be an energy drain. So setting boundaries with people, um, letting them know what you need, being very clear, and not feeling guilty about it. Um, natural dopamine, like exercise, uh, some people are so fatigued, they can't do anything, but at least get outside and walk, do something restorative. Um, that's going to be super helpful to help regulate the nervous system and release body's natural endorphins, um, because we're trying to get away from these unnatural dopamine hits, optimizing your sleep. I said, you know, I mentioned getting sunlight, doing what you need to create a good sleep environment. Um, making sure that you, you know, some people, if they do have all these things on their mind, do a brain dump, write everything out before you go to bed, make sure it's off of your mind, uh, moving into the next day. Of course, some vagus nerve work. We've, we've talked about that on previous episodes, humming, singing, chanting, different ways to activate the vagus nerve, um, cold showers, things like that. If your nervous system can handle it. Um, tapping is amazing. Um, tapping in combination with other things like breath work is even more amazing. Um, so that can be such a great way to really connect and, um, help regulate your nervous system. Doing things like yoga, um, having cranial sacral therapy done can also help with that nervous system regulation. Um, sometimes there are structural things that need to be worked out. And so having somebody help you regulate that can be extremely helpful. Um, and then also sound therapy. So this is one of those very overlooked things. Um, sound therapy, whether it is listening to biurnal beats while you are working or even nature sounds, um, obviously getting out in nature and listening to the birds or the waves or, you know, the trees, whatever that looks like for you, whatever's feasible. Um, but talk about immediate nervous system, just calmness. That is what that sound therapy is going to do for you. Some people, um, like to go to sound baths and the um, singing bowls and things like that. Those are going to be very balancing for the body, very balancing for the nervous system. And it's extremely overlooked, but it's something that you can really do every day. If you're not ready to sit and meditate in silence or whatever that may be, Um, just allow your body to take in some healing sounds. It can be extremely amazing for coherence on a cellular level. And like I said, that nervous system, get your, getting your nervous system and your mind and body to work together is key here. So that is one great way of doing that. Um, getting sunshine. I I can't talk about this enough. We talked about it from, you know, uh, getting your serotonin and melatonin, um, going, but it also releases endorphins, right? So you, how many times do you feel like crap when you're laying out in the sun? Like never, because it is such an amazing, it's literally recharging your mitochondria. It's giving your body energy. And it is just so amazing for that endorphin rush. Um, you obviously don't want to overdo it because that can be an energy drain, but getting sunshine is going to be something valuable, especially this time of year, go out and get your sun every single day. It will totally help with your nervous system and your mood regulation, especially when you're coming off of these unnatural dopamine hits. 
And then lastly, so meditation for me has been my, the one that I resonated the most with, and it wasn't always easy. I felt like I was terrible at meditating the first year or so I started it. I did guided meditations because I was one of those people that could not sit still. I could not be alone with my thoughts. I was always distracting myself. Um, but if you have to look at it as um, when you are in that survival mechanism, you are worried about what you can control. And so if you are, um, there's a quote that says, if you're anxious, you're living in the future. If you're depressed, you're living in the past. Only if you're happy, are you living in the present moment? And that is Lao Tzu. Um, but it is so pivotal to utilize the power of the present moment, especially if you are trying to change a response to something. You cannot change a response if you are keep putting yourself in the same position over and over and over again, right? You can't change that stress response um, because we're just going to become desensitized to it, right? You can't say, well, if I I, you know, I just keep going through this, eventually I'll just numb out. Well, I mean, maybe, but you're still going to need more hits of, of stress hormones to make you feel something. So you can't change all of the stress in your life. You can't, but you have to change how you respond to it. And the only way you can rewire a response is by getting yourself in the present moment and changing those neural connections by starting to notice your thinking and slowing down that monkey mind that is extremely overpowering when you're in survival mode. Um, you n Just being aware, the goal when you start to meditate is really even as you continue to meditate is not to stop your thoughts. It's to sit there and be aware of them. And if that's all you do to start, just be aware and release them and let them go. Um, because if you really finally get to the point where you are aware of the thoughts that are creating these hormonal cascades, then you can start to think different thoughts and you can allow Dr. Dispenza talks in his work about neurons that wire together, fire together. And so we really have to change our neuronal signaling. And this can be done with limbic retraining, but that's also what meditation does as well, because we are finally allowing space. We are allowing space for new connections and new responses to be made. And we are finally bringing some awareness into our thinking and how these think the thinking that we have is causing these habitual reactions. So only in that state of awareness and presence and being in the present moment where you're not thinking about the past or the future, can your brainwaves actually get to a pattern where this new neuronal signaling and new wiring and firing can happen. And that's, you know, think about the kind of thoughts that you want to think. Um, and so after meditation, it's a great way to do that because that can really help with that rewiring response. If you just go right back to that stress right after meditation, then, you know, I mean, maybe you gave yourself a few minutes, but nothing's changing, right? So what meditation is kind of like the palette and what you do after that is what creates the art. So it's really important to look at it as a tool for you to start to create new patterns of thinking and new habits and behaviors that will follow those new patterns of thinking. So super powerful. That has been a life changer for me and that has been the most pivotal. I've always craved the sunshine. I've always craved movement. Um, there were times uh, where I lived, I couldn't get sunshine as much as I wanted to. And also there were times in my life where I couldn't move as much as I wanted to because I was so highly inflamed. Um, so meditation was, was truly my savior um, for, for those periods of time. And it's something that helps me regulate my nervous system um, at the beginning of the day. It's going to help me balance that so that I take my day and I'm actually calm going into it. And so I don't do anything to wreck that, like living off of caffeine and screen time and all of these things. Anybody who messaged me on Instagram knows that I am not on my screen very much at all, even though it may look like I post a lot. I do not sit on there and scroll and message and, and comment on things. I, do, I don't have it in me. It's such an energy drain for me. There are so many wonderful things that I have um, been a part of on social media, and I'm so thankful for everyone who follows me on there. But as far as me and my boundaries, I cannot scroll. It is such a tremendous waste of time for me. And it, like I said, it's an energy suck. So for me, it is a boundary that I set um, that looks different for everybody. And you will know where your weak spots are the more you start to think and be aware 
of this cycle happening and continuing, right? And especially when you look at it from a addiction perspective. I hope this helps someone get some perspective or maybe even some empathy for someone they know who they've labeled as a control freak or someone who they think is never happy or that's always creating drama or, um, you know, whatever it may be, just can't leave well enough alone. There could be an actual biochemical thing happening. And the more you allow that empathy to reside and whether that's for someone else or for yourself, Um, then that can give you the grace you need to move forward and understanding yourself or other people a little bit more. Um, And it's not an excuse. It's just a awareness so that you can move forward. And one thing that I didn't mention is, of course, there are other things that drive chronic stress other than these unnatural dopamine hits, um, like gut infections and nutrient deficiencies and toxicities and heavy metals and all of these things in our environment. So, of course, I will link... um, the testing that I use to locate these things. If you feel like you've got a handle on all the dopamine hits and you're doing all the things and you still can't regulate your nervous system, there could be a toxicity behind it. So it is important to make sure that you are validating your experience and looking into those things if you've got the lifestyle part down. The thing I find is most people don't have this down yet. Um, And this is work, right? It's reconditioning. It's rewiring the brain. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of undoing and it's a lot of um, vulnerability because we've been taught certain things along the way. So I will just end this. Know that things can be better. They will get better. You are not stuck. Um, It is important to know that you can pull yourself out of this. And I hope that you guys have a great rest of your day. We'll talk about the HPA axis next time. This ran a little longer than I wanted. So thanks so much for joining me and listening to me. And I will talk to you all soon.